Welcome to the Nurse Becoming podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume RX, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth, all through the lens of nursing. Hello, welcome back to the Nurse Becoming Podcast. It's your host, Amanda Guarneri. As always, so happy to be with you today. Thank you so much for joining, even with my scratchy morning voice as I get some things recorded this morning. This episode coming up today is a little bit different. It is an episode where I was interviewed on another podcast, and I thought that the episode itself and the conversation was so valuable that I just had to publish it on my podcast too. I was very fortunate to be a guest on the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. And this is an episode where she interviewed me and we had a great conversation about job searching, about interviewing, basically, you know, how to get ready for these next steps when it comes to your job search. And this episode is absolutely applicable to nurses and nurse practitioners and students. So I really hope that you enjoy my interview where I was interviewed by Ask Nurse Alice. And uh, while you're thinking of it, if you don't already follow the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, it is definitely full of wonderful gems. Alice is delightful. It is a nurse.org podcast. So be sure to give them a listen over on their platform and their podcast as well. So now onto the episode. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything nursing and healthcare related. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer at nurse.org. And on today's show, I'm going to be talking about some of not only my frustrations, but some of your very own frustrations that people are experiencing when it comes to that job search, that new hunt. You know, you've just finished nursing school. Maybe you went back and did a master's degree. But anyways, you have some new credentials, a new license, and you're looking for a new job. Or perhaps you're in a job and you're trying to climb the career ladder, but it's not quite happening the way you envisioned it would happen. So again, I'm going to share some of my personal and recent frustrations and experiences, especially having been a long-term nurse and a CNS going back for my postmasters and getting kind of being a new grad all over again in the NP role. But spoiler alert, spoiler alert, uh, one of the things that did help me in the journey was making sure that I had my resume and my CV ready. And I kind of had a little bit of a coach behind me to kind of help me and walk me through some things. So I think that'd be helpful for you. And just because of that, I decided to bring one of my Wonder Women super friends here to the show. She's definitely an expert and someone you all should know, Amanda Garney. She is an Ivy League educated nurse practitioner and career mentor who helps nursing professionals find, land, and love their dream jobs. She's also the founder of Resume RX, as well as the NP Society, which is a professional membership community that focuses on helping NPs thrive in the clinical setting and beyond. Um, and oh, by the way, not to mention, she also has a podcast, a Nurse Becoming Podcast. She's the host of that. So make sure you check that out. Uh, but please welcome to the show, Amanda. 
Hi, Alice. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks for um, being here, Amanda. Now, Amanda and I have chatted before, guys, but if you haven't already, you know, lean in, grab your notepad and take some notes because she's going to drop some gems. Um, but I know and love her already. So Amanda, for those who may be new to you, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your nursing journey, and then how you came to develop Resume Rx? Sure. So I've been an NP since 2011. I graduated from Yale School of Nursing then with a dual certification as an adult and women's health NP. And after that, I had a pretty uh, ordinary path. I worked primarily in emergency medicine after trying on a few jobs for size before finding my sweet spot. And then in 2018, I decided to start a business, start a side business. And, and really the catalyst for that was I had recently given birth to twins and cut my hours back at work and had a little bit extra free time on my hands and, and wanted to explore other ways that I could give back to our profession. So that's when I started the Resume Rx. And I started off really helping nurses and NPs one-on-one -on -one with their resumes. And it evolved into a, a platform where I create content to help you with all sorts of professional challenges. And so I have free content on my podcast and social media and website. And then I also have some paid products to help people who need a little bit extra help or need to go an extra step. So that's been, that's been my role uh, here in the business for going on three years now. They're going on wow. four years now, I guess. Gosh. Oh, good. And don't call it little business. No, -uh. we're <laughs> taking a little out of the sentence. My business, guys, yes. she is flourishing. And I love how it was something that just kind of organically, passionately just became something. It wasn't something that you really kind of like forced yourself or was like looking for something to do. It just was something that's natural and you blossomed in doing it. And I'm people, I mean, thousands and thousands of nurses and MPs have found your content uh, very helpful. So we appreciate you, Amanda. You, we really, really do. You. And I'll say this, some of our listeners are, you know, they're in nursing school, getting ready to graduate, or maybe they just recently graduated. And some are just in their role, but they're looking for a change, whatever the case may be. Many of us are sometimes always, you know, kind of, even though we have a job, maybe looking for a job or we're just looking for that dream job. So I know one of the things that you help people do is, you know, you help prepare them with maybe applying for that job, tools and tips to be more successful at positioning themselves to get a job. Those are the things and the advice that many, you know, many of us need because we get really frustrated. I know I've been super frustrated and guys, I'm just going to share my story. Yes, I, I said this earlier, but I've been a nurse for 23 years, uh, clinical nurse specialist for 14 or 15 of those. And then I went back and got my postmasters. Now you would think, oh, Alice has tons of experience. It's not going to be a problem for her to get a job. It's going to be super easy. I mean, you know how hard it was to find that first NP job out of school. Mm -hmm. Why? Why? <laughs> like, I don't understand. So, well, no, you help us understand. Why is it so hard to land that first job out of, you know, what we know is like an accredited school training. You passed, the, the you got your certifications, you got your license. Why is it so hard? So I think it's a couple of different things. The first thing that I think is really most impactful is the fact that it is really hard to stand out on paper from someone else who has the same letters after your name, right? Like at the end of the day, everyone applying for an RN position has RN after their name. Everyone applying for NP position has NP after their name. So the question is, how do we set ourselves apart 
on paper because oftentimes applying with a resume or applying online is is really that first step in the process. So if you kind of recognize that that's a challenge, I think you have two different options and and you can do one or both. The first being make sure you're spending some time really refining your documents, so your resume, your CV, and doing whatever you can to make sure that those are the best reflection of you as a star candidate, right? So that's the first option. And then the second option is making sure that you're working those back channels that you can show someone in person how awesome you are so that you don't have to rely on just what you look like on paper. So that's networking and kind of leveraging the connections and the relationships you already have to try to get a foot in the door with a a job that maybe isn't posted online or uh, at least a a way to stand out so that you are recognizable when your resume comes across that hiring manager's desk. Thank you for mentioning that because I'll be honest, when I, you know, when I submit through Indeed or maybe through a hospital's website, it's like, I feel like my application goes into like, it's black hole. Like yes. I'm, I mean, I'm just praying fingers crossed that that gets looked at. So that's right. You got to find a way to make your, your application, your CV or resume stand out. Now for those who may be listening, Amanda, if you could just clarify, um, we use resume and CV interchangeably many times. Is there really a difference between the two? So technically there is a difference. So technically speaking, a resume is a one to two page document that includes the past 10 years or so of your working experience. A CV, on the other hand, which stands for curriculum vitae, it's a Latin term, that literally means your life's work. So what a CV traditionally is, is a multiple page document of not only all of your work experience, but all of your extracurriculars, your research, your academic or faculty involvement. And and so traditionally speaking, Academic folks, faculty, researchers are the ones who need a traditional CV. And pretty much the rest of us who are mainly in clinical roles, which is the majority of people I think who we're usually talking to, need uh, a resume, which is a one to two page document that includes your past 10 years of working history, along with some other information about yourself. Okay. And when I'm talking about putting my resume together, is it just a list of you know, where I went to school, where I work, my certifications and my license. Are there any gems that I should be making sure that I put on there that I might be leaving out or should they really go in any type of sequence? Like, how am I making this? How am I making some myself stand out on this seat resume if I just graduated with 60 other people that are in the same boat as me? <laughs> yeah, it, it can be tricky. I, I think that, you know, for your past work experience, what whatever that is. So even if you're a new graduate, maybe you have some past work experience that's not healthcare related, or maybe it is healthcare related, but underneath those past jobs, you're going to include a bullet point or two that speaks to your skills and your achievements in those roles. So not just writing a description of what you did, but trying to include data or information about why you were awesome right? So you want to brag on yourself a little bit. So that's the first place that you can really make that stand out. The second place is in your professional profile or summary, which is a section that typically goes beneath your your name and your contact information. And it might be a paragraph, it might be 
four bullet points. But what that is going to be is a, a summary of your, your best achievements, your best attributes, and your, your vision for what you're going to bring to the role. And it's almost like a mini cover letter, but it's a place where you can not only brag about yourself, but also say, hey, here's the value that I'm going to bring to this position that I'm applying to. And those are really the best places, I think, to stand out and to make the content be differentiated from maybe someone else who hasn't taken the time to put in those extra steps. Okay, that's helpful. And let me ask this because you mentioned it, cover letter. Is it necessary? Is it not necessary? I think most people that I know, they just submit their resume. They don't even bother with a cover letter. Is that like a missed opportunity if you don't include one of those? It's yeah, it's definitely a missed opportunity. And I have to chuckle because I I get asked this question a lot. Is a cover letter really necessary? And you know, a lot of job applications and things, maybe they'll say cover letter is optional. And if something is optional and you're applying for a job that you really think that you're a great fit for, wouldn't you want to take every opportunity you could to explain why you're the best fit, right? And the cover letter, aside from the summary section, is really the only opportunity, at least in an online application setting, that we have to craft a narrative and tell a story about ourselves and and remind whoever's on the receiving end that we are a real person uh, on the other end of this application. And I think that it's those types of connection points and moments that can really help us stand out. You know, maybe you have a, a story about a patient that you took care of that was so impactful on you that it was the catalyst for the reason why you went back to school to become an NP. And, and now you are dedicated to working in that field because it was so impactful. You know, that's a little story that you can tell in your cover letter that when someone reads it, they're going to remember that and they're going to associate that with you and and it will form their their opinion of you as a candidate. So I think any opportunity to take advantage of of those touch points, uh, I would take advantage of them for sure. Okay, great. And then you mentioned networking earlier. Now, let's say I'm a lone wolf and all I did was go to school, come home, work, and that was it. Like I didn't really network or go, you know, especially in the pandemic, it was harder to network because we weren't having you know, live events where you can go out and mingle and conferences where everything was virtual. So I really didn't get to be in the room with people. Suggestions for how to network in this era of, we're still in, you know, still COVID pandemic thing going on, but we're, I mean, things are getting better. Yes. But we're still not fully there yet. Suggestions on how I can network in today's climate. For sure. So I think, you know, taking advantage of what's available to you. So you know, when we're in pandemic times, it means committing to taking advantage of virtual opportunities. So that might mean signing up for a conference. A lot of conferences have gone virtual and they have message boards and networking channels. You know, the conference technology has really come a long way. So there are still those opportunities to connect in a conference, for example. Or maybe you're joining the local chapter of your ANA or your organization, for example, and, and they're making their meetings more accessible by hosting them on Zoom. That has maybe all of a sudden become an even easier way for you to network because you don't have to drive two hours to, to the city that's the center, right? And you can go to the meetings, show your face, ask questions, introduce yourself, right? Another way is on social media. And I'm thinking specifically of LinkedIn, which is a platform that it's kind of a hybrid of social media and professional networking. So maybe doing a search for other 
nurses or nurse leaders in your geographical area or who work for the organization you want to work with and sending connection requests and, and notes. There are really opportunities there. You just have to be committed to, to looking for them. I think that in the pandemic, there are certainly some things that have been negatively affected, but there are also some areas where we've really made some advancements and made things more accessible virtually than they had been in the past. So I think in some respects, we can we can say thank you to that situation for really bringing us uh, forward in terms of that. And, you know, similarly, and maybe we'll get to this, I, I feel the same way about interviews. You know, interviews have really evolved into being more accessible and more in a virtual setting. So there are certainly some some tech advancements that we have benefited from in the past couple of years. I think we've been thrusted into the tech world. So <laughs> ready or not, here we go, boom. Um, you know, all of a sudden we all have Zoom now, right? Like Zoom is like second nature. It's like, you got your phone, got your Zoom. And that's just how life has, has been. But you touched on a good point, interviews. So let me say this, whether in person or virtual, they both can be just as nerve wracking. I think many people in the process, you know, submitting your a resume and your cover letter, not as scary, right? Okay, because we're just applying. We're applying here, we're applying there, everywhere. But when you get that call, right? When the recruiter calls, you get that first screening and you say, you hear the, oh, the manager would like to meet with you. Like all the tingles, all the butterflies and you're nervous. And now you're like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? So Amanda, how can you help us be best prepared for, are there things that we can do even before we even get to that face-to-face -face interview to prepare us for that moment? Definitely. Definitely. I think that it's good to have nerves. First of all, you know, having nerves means that you care. So I think that's, that's okay. And you can not be afraid of those nerves, but yes, are there things that we can do to maybe calm those nerves down so we can perform our best in an interview? Absolutely. And I think one of the first things is to be prepared. So that comes in a couple different ways, you know, being prepared about where you're interviewing, know the employer, know the position that you're interviewing for, right? Before you're in that room, whether it's a physical or virtual room, make sure that you have taken some time to review about the employer so that you can relate to them whenever possible, that you understand what this role is and you know what they're all about. So you can prepare in that regard. And the other thing is preparing your your background and, and the things that you want to talk about about yourself. So maybe practicing some questions that you know might come up. Like for example, tell me about yourself. I think that's the probably the top, the top question asked in interviews and, and just practicing in the mirror or with a friend or making it so that this isn't the first time that you're thinking about this or trying to articulate the words. And then preparing your your physical self and your your body the the day before or the hours before, getting a good night's sleep, making sure that you're not eating right before or drinking a carbonated beverage right before, uh, things like that to, to make sure that you're comfortable and you're, you're feeling your best physically as you go into that interview. Yes. I think all those things are important and being on time guys, I'll, mm -hmm. you know, if it is in person plan for parking plan for getting lost a little bit once you're on campus. And I always say to be earliest, to be on time, to be on time is to be late just because I believe that that can be a reflection of well, you show up to work on time. So let that first impression really stink that, you know, they don't want to think, oh yeah, that's the candidate was 20, 30 minutes behind and set everyone back. So don't be that person. 
But you raise a, a lot of good points there. And I'll say this, I think outside of tell me about yourself, I think the question that I've heard almost in every interview is why such and such hospital? What, what interests you about working here? Yeah. And so this is where if you if you've done your homework, you should be able to answer these questions, right? Oh, you're it's a magnet facility, it's a level two trauma. I have this like you should be able to know those things. Now, Amanda, let's be quite honest. Sometimes when we're looking for a job, we're just looking for a job. Whoever mm -hmm. will take me. But I don't obviously you don't want to convey that <laughs> in your interview. So your your suggestion would be to know something about the hospital, whether it has a certain accreditation or um, surfaces in a certain population that you're interested in, or it's aspiring to do so, or maybe it's done some community work in, you know, in the, in your neighborhood, or you've seen some of its global efforts, but know something about the facility and also yeah. the specialty. You're, you're, you're right about that. Definitely. Um, I think you want to give them, give them a little bit of a compliment, right? They want to yeah. know that you've, you've thought about this in advance. And and maybe it's something as simple as they're well-respected in your community, or they have good reviews on the internet, or or something that makes them a good place to work. And, you know, another question that is really asking this question, but can look a little different, is why are you the best candidate for the role? And that's a common question where Yes, you're going to talk a little bit about yourself, but you also want to talk about how you will contribute to their organization. So kind of having that lens and remembering that when you're being interviewed, they ultimately, yes, they want to know about you, but they want to know what you're going to do and bring to their organization. So if you can remember that lens as you're talking and, and always try to round things out uh, and kind of flip the conversation back onto their organization. I think that will really help you stand out. Yes. And Amanda, help me navigate through this question because I think this question comes up a lot and it's a question that can get you in hot water if you don't prepare for this. Tell me about a time when you've worked with a very challenging coworker or a, a patient. What happened and how did you handle that? Or something to the effect of, tell me about a time where you've made a mistake or you've observed a mistake what happened and how did you handle that? And I think those are good questions, but sometimes it's like you could tell on yourself, like, oh, I didn't really mean to say that. I just meant, you know, have people asked you about how to answer that? Obviously, we want to answer the question in a way that demonstrates that we know how to conduct ourselves when the stakes are high or, or there's a tough situation. But how do you kind of answer that without really throwing yourself under the bus? So I, I think the first step is to anticipate that you're going to be asked those questions, mm -hmm. right? The behavioral or tell me about yourself or tell me about a time when questions are incredibly common. So I usually recommend thinking about this in advance and thinking up three to five scenarios that you know very well that you can recount, you could tell the story of that could fit multiple of those questions because usually you can remember a time that maybe there was a medically complicated patient and maybe there was also an ethical dilemma and you also had a, a conflict with a colleague about the care. You know, you can kind of adapt a situation to multiple questions. So if you know a few scenarios like the back of your hand, then 
you won't be put on the spot trying to, you know, flip through the the files in your brain to come up with an example. So that's really the the first step for these questions. The second step is there's actually a framework that you can use to answer the questions that will keep your thoughts organized. And it's called the STAR method, S-T-A-R. And it's actually very similar to S-bar, which many of us know and love, right? So the S stands for situation. So you want to briefly set the stage for the situation. The T stands for task. So you want to say what your role was in the situation. The A stands for action. So that's what action did you take as a result of the situation. And the R is result. So you give a summary of the outcome of the situation. And I think knowing that framework can be really helpful, especially if you're the type of person who tends to kind of go on and on, or you're worried about babbling, or you're not sure how to actually articulate the answer, which I think is, I think many of us can raise our hand. (laughs) Yes. I get nervous and I babble. And then I'm like, I hope I answered your question. Did I answer your question? Like, don't be that person because I've done <laughs> I've done that. I've got lost in my thoughts. So this is, guys, this is why this is so good. And this is why you need to follow Amanda on social and, you know, visit her website and get her tips and tools and all of those things because these are the things that you want so you can stick that interview. Now, what about the questions you shouldn't be asking? Like, because there's always the opportunity. So do you have any questions for us? You know, that last question of the interview. And so, so many people are saying, no, no, no questions at this time. But I think there is an opportunity to show that you're really engaged in this interview process and you want to know more about your future potential employer. But there's just something you should not be asking in that first interview. Just just don't do it. But Amanda's gonna Amanda's gonna tell us how to not walk in that booby trap. What are yes. So so first of all, at the end of an interview, if they ask you if you have any questions, please don't say no. Please have at least one question that you have saved so that you don't have to say, no, no questions at this time, but instead you can have something insightful to say, or at least be the person who gets the last word, right? I like to reserve the question, when can I expect to hear back from you about this role for the last question? Or what is your timeline for filling this position? Because it gives you something to ask, and it also gives you valuable information about when you should follow up. So when you should kind of continue this conversation. But the second part of your question is things that we're not necessarily going to talk about in that first interview. And and they really all fall under things that probably are very important to you, but we're going to really control ourselves and, and wait to learn this information. And those are things like salary and pay, perks and benefits, uh, retirement contribution, schedule, time off there may be the opportunity to get a hint on some of these questions during the interview in terms of of scheduling because you know if if this is a you want to know if this is a a straight nights position for example especially if you are a single parent and your your kids can't stay alone by themselves overnight you know like there are some deal breaker type information pieces that are are good to know but for the most part we're going to leave those questions until the next interview or the next conversation that we have with this uh, employer. Yes. I know you're going to be itching and like, it's going to be bubbling up like in your throat. You're going to want to, it's going to like tickle your tongue, but don't say it guys. Don't ask those questions. Just hold on, hold your horses for the next interview because it conveys a message, right? To the person who's interviewing you like, 
oh, all they care about is what's, what benefits them. It's all about them. And really you're applying for a job that, you know, again, they're going to want to know what can you contribute to our facility? How are you going to help the team? And there's no I in team. So we can't ask those mm-hmm. I questions right then and there. Now, Amanda, what do you think about this question? So can you tell me what the turnover rate is on your unit? I've heard some people ask that question. And although I think it's an important question to know, I'm not sure how helpful that is in your interview trying to get the job. What do you say to that? So I think that in some respects, it can all come down to how you ask that question. So I think if you were to say, what's your turnover rate? It's bringing up a negative, right? It's asking them to tell you about something that may not be positive, or you might be anticipating, like it's implying that you're you're trying to find some bad news that would have you exclude them as, as a potential employer, right? On the flip side, you could instead ask questions about longevity and, and seniority. You could ask, how long do nurses usually work on your unit before moving on to other opportunities or before being promoted? Or you could ask it in a more positive way that will seem I don't want to say confrontational because I don't think that the first way to ask it is confrontational, but it, it just is opening up different types of talking points as opposed to asking like a blank, what's your turnover rate question? Because they may not even know. They may not want to tell you. Right, (laughs) right, exactly. But I do think, you know, to, to the point of this question, it is good and a great idea to tune into some workplace culture things as part of the process, right? You want to be interviewing this employer as much as they're interviewing you to make sure that it's a good fit for you. And these are good conversations to have throughout the process. I would just be delicate with how you use your language to get that information so that you can make the best decision for you. I like that because words matter. So guys, don't ask anything that's going to put them in a position where they feel like they have to air their dirty laundry. Cause then, you know, that's going to put them on the defensive and not be as perhaps as welcoming to you. Cause, and, and I hate that I say this, but you know, it could give the impression that maybe, you know, you're someone who's pessimistic or is going to, you know, be that bad seed that's going to be looking for the faults and everything that's, mm. you know, the new project, the new policy that rolls out, that's going to be the person who's going to look for the, you know, the one, the one fault in the project. So Framing your words in a positive, constructive way. I like that. I really, really like that. Now, Amanda, okay, so we asked some great questions. We got through the interview. Now I'm, I've gone home. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that phone call. And then it comes. And then, you know, obviously, hopefully everyone who's applied, if you apply for, I'm putting positive vibes out there. If you apply for a job, I'm hoping you get it. Amanda, what do I do if I get that phone call or that email? Oh, I don't like the email. Because I've gotten this email, guys. Okay, don't think I've not gotten it. I've gotten this email before. Thank you so much for your interest in your application. We've had so an overwhelming response of such qualified candidates. It was such a difficult decision to make. However, we've decided to go with someone with more experience. Thank you. And we hope that you will reconsider us in the future. You see how they, they spin it positively, but end of the day, boom, boo, you didn't get the job. Oh, I bet. I know. What do I do? I know. Listen, the reality is very few, if any of us will ever get every single job we apply for or interview for, right? I think that we all know that in our, in our conscious brains, right? But 
we hate rejection. It is it is built into our human nature that the majority of us are really uncomfortable with rejection and we make it mean other things than what it actually is. Okay. My first piece of advice, the first thing to do is to really don't let your mind spiral into places of uh, despair or having it mean that you are a terrible candidate. You know, we can go down some paths, right, with our with our thoughts. Okay. Uh-huh. So uh, recognizing when that's happening and, and talking some sense into yourself and saying, nope, I'm not going to let this affect me and, and reframing what a rejection means, right? Maybe a rejection is something that takes you closer to the right job for you, right? Maybe we can say thank you to rejections and, and we can give gratitude to them for passing on us so that we can get closer to the right position for us, right? So can we do that? Can we have a a mindset shift about this, right? And and not take it personally. The other opportunity we have potentially, if, if this is something that we've interviewed for, is asking for feedback. You know, maybe you're probably not going to get it if it's a, a rejection after just an application, but if you've gone through an interview or two or more with a facility and they've rejected you or they've passed on you or gone with someone else, are you comfortable with replying to that email or asking on the phone, thanking them for the opportunity and and do they have any feedback how you can improve your candidacy for a future role? So try to get something constructive so that you can do something about it moving forward. And the third piece of advice, like the most important part is to keep going, is to not let the rejection keep you from taking action, right? To some extent, this is a numbers game. You have to send out enough applications. You have to go on enough interviews to increase your chances of getting offered the right position. And if you allow rejection to stop you from from taking that action forward, then it potentially could delay your job search because if you're not actively applying and actively interviewing, then you're you're not doing anything, right? So that's something that I just caution people about is allowing any of this to keep you from taking action forward. So whatever it takes, keep going forward, keep applying, keep interviewing, because we're just getting closer and closer to the right thing for you. Absolutely. What's for you is for you. So that rejection was your protection to get you closer to where you need to be. Now, it may not feel good in that moment, but Take a deep breath, you know, and, you know, receive the information. And I, I like what you said, Amanda, especially if you've been through the interview process, ask in a polite way. Now, don't get aggressive. Don't get mad. You know, when you make that phone call asking for, you know, give, say thank you. You know, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been my pleasure. Um, you know, I'm really interested. Uh, I'm still, you know, very interested in one day working at your facility and would love to have some feedback so that I may one day be able to circle back and work here. And you never know, that phone call might just be enough to be like, you know what? I think we have one more space in this new grad program here. (laughs) So, you know, don't underestimate that, guys. And I think in our minds, maybe we're just like, oh, nothing's going to help. It's not going to matter. I think it does. Even if it's going to give you just 1% chance, increase your chances of 1% more of getting that position, don't underestimate yourself because I don't think enough people do do these things. So that's going to make you stand out. And who knows? They might give you a list of A, B, and C, 
oh, you know, we're looking for someone with at least six months experience and with their CCRN, this, this, and that. Hey, if you really want to work there, you circle back in six months with experience, some type of experience and a CCRN certi- certification. And maybe, you know, and they'll remember you. They'll remember you. They're like, you know what, Alice, I remember that interview. She asked for feedback and she did what she said to get to the job. I want someone like her. That shows dedication. That shows commitment. And that's the type of team member we want to work here at our facility. So guys, these are some great, great tips. Oh my gosh, Amanda, I could pick your brain forever, but I know we can't. Um, But I definitely, definitely want those who are listening, you guys, you have to share this podcast because believe me, this is something that everyone wants to know. Let's sharing is caring. So let's share these with our friends, our colleagues, our classmates, because we can all benefit from this. But Amanda, outside of the wonderful information you shared here on the podcast with us, where can people follow you? Like give us your website, drop your handle, all of those things. So we can follow you and continue to get great and wonderful information about how to land a stick and love the job. Sure. So you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at the resume RX and my website is the resume rx.com. Pretty easy to remember. You'll see opportunities to get on my email list. I send at least one email every week with some sort of professional tip or takeaway or hack or, or something to help you along this professional journey. So I hope that you'll come along and connect with me. Yes, definitely. Definitely connect with her guys. I follow her on social. It's amazing tons of great information. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. Nurse.org appreciates you. And all of our listeners appreciate you because I can, I bet you this is going to be like the, the podcast. Like, Did you hear what Amanda said? Girl, did you do <laughs> such and such, such and such? Yeah, you should make sure you call them. And so I know you guys are going to take all the tools and tips here and apply them and be super successful. And hey, we want to hear your success story. So make sure to let us know here at nurse.org. You can email me at nursealice at nurse.org. Let us know what you thought about the podcast and even better yet, you know, rate, review, leave a comment. You know, we want to know um, how this helped you. Cause I know, I, listen, you don't even have to tell me, I know it's helping tons of people. Amanda, you've helped thousands and thousands of nurses and people who haven't even finished their schooling yet. They're ready. They're ready for that application to apply for that job. And I think you can apply this to other opportunities, whether it's applying for that first job, applying internally to climb the career ladder at your facility, Hey, applying for, you know, other opportunities. I think there were some great tips here. So guys, I'm Nurse Alice. I love, love, love talking to you guys and sharing tools uh, and information like this. It's been my pleasure. I want to shout out to nurse.org for helping to put on the podcast. We appreciate them. Make sure to follow them on social. You can follow me on social at Ask Nurse Alice. Again, you know, share the podcast, rate, review, subscribe, all those wonderful things. And let us know what you think. Email us at uh, nursealice at nurse.org and would love to hear you there. And if you have suggestions for a future show, we'd love to hear it. So until next time, uh, please make good choices, be kind to one another, and live well, my friends. Talk to you guys soon. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you have found today's episode helpful and you would like to support the Nurse Becoming podcast, I invite you to buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash nursebecoming. I appreciate your support. This helps me create more content for you to enjoy and benefit from in the future. Also, would you consider giving me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already? It will truly help other nurses find the show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. 
I can't wait to connect with you soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.